It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. For the love of Pete, it's something you might say when your car gets damaged, but that won't get you the help you need for your vehicle. As someone named Jake, what you should be saying is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. For help filing your claim 24-7, whether it's on the phone, online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app, however you choose. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 247 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, December 18th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode. Of course, you can also check out the Locked On Podcast Network, which hosts team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams, as well as all 32 NFL teams. You can also listen to Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, Locked On NBA with David Locke, which I was on today. So you can check that out as I talked about the Raptors, who are very hot right now. Uh, and you can find all those on the Locked On NBA iTunes channel, the Locked On NFL channel, if you have an NFL team that is uh, in the playoff hunt or whatever. Make sure you're checking out the, the local show. Get all the good perspective on what's going on with that team. Uh, you can also, if you find a show that you like on the network, leave a rating or a review on the iTunes page. It really helps to move shows up the rankings, make them more discoverable. And please do that with us. Locked on Raptors on its own iTunes page. It takes no time at all for you to leave a quick little rating or review. Uh, and it very much helps to make us more discoverable, more, popu- more popular, and uh, all that good stuff. So please do that. And I'd be very much appreciative of you doing that. All right, on today's show, I'm joined for what's becoming a regular thing, uh, sort of a weekend recap show with our boy Vivek Jacob. How are you, man? Pretty good. Um, yeah, coming off the weekend, always nice with uh, a W, Vince in the building, so that always brings out some nice emotions, I guess. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. A couple Ready Ws. Yeah, a couple Ws. They, they won against the Nets on Friday. I was at that game. Uh, the Nets are horrible. I don't know... Like, yeah, I know there's, like, the whole, oh, maybe the Nets are kind of good thing. No, the Nets are not good. They could barely do, like, basic basketball things. Uh, their starting five was awful. Joe Harris, like, how is that guy in the NBA? Their entire starting five went 0 for 9 from 3 in the game. Uh, and we're just god-awful from start to finish. Ronda Hollis-Jefferson's barely an NBA player. I don't, like, I, I don't know. Spencer Dinwiddie is, like, one of their beacons of hope. They're not good at all. They're rolling out, like... Julie Okafor, Timothy Mozgov, and Tyler Zeller as their centers. They suck, uh, and the Raptors beat them as such uh, in a 120-87 win. Let's start with that game, I suppose. Is there anything in that game that stood out to you in particular? I mean, DeMar DeRozan had a really nice game. Kyle Lowry hung out till the fourth quarter to get a triple-double. Um, it was kind of a fun game overall for the Raptors. Was there something that stood out in particular? Uh, besides uh, Sauce Castillo catching fire for a little bit? Uh, <laughs> I love how back-to-back unit, back-to-back stretches for the bench unit. They got eviscerated by Troy Daniels and Nick Stauskas because, uh, you know, just to add insult to injury for their bad couple weeks. But sorry, carry on. Yeah, uh, no. So that was interesting. And then the other thing, a couple of things I sort of mentioned on Twitter that I uh, liked about the game is uh, I remember the Nuggets game um, on the West Coast road trip. 
where Norman Powell was struggling for a bit going into that game, yeah. but uh, it was garbage time, and so he was able to, you know, just take the offense more into his own hands and find a rhythm that way. And then he actually played pretty well for a stretch after that. And I feel like he did a bit more of the same against the Nets, uh, especially once the game was kind of out of hand. And I think we saw some of that positivity carry over into the Sacramento game. And so hopefully that that's got him going now. Uh, he had 11 points, five boards, three assists in the Nets game. And uh, yeah, what did he have against Sacramento? Uh, 14. Yeah. Five for five from the field, two for two from three, and so hopefully that that keeps him going. Another thing, um, I, I feel like Siakam's working on some counters now with people taking away his right. right. Uh, there was uh, a move late in the fourth where, uh, so usually what he does is he you know he does it, is takes a couple of dribbles uh, going left, then does the spin uh, going to the right-handed hook. Um, teams have sort of caught on to that, and so this time uh, there was a move where he triple right and then spun uh, to his left and went left. He did finish, but I think it's a good sign that you know he's starting to recognize uh, what defenses are trying to take away from him and working on other stuff that hopefully um, he can get going again. Yeah, for sure. Siakam's been, uh, I think, a little... He's kind of been locked in this swoon that the bench has been in, right? Like, he's kind of... I mean, his three-point shot, It's uh, I, I talked to him after the game on Friday, and he just... You can tell he's just really like fighting it a little bit. Um, he's just like, man, like I, I don't know, like I gotta keep working at it. I don't know. I'm working at it in practice. I'm doing it, and I just like it, it's not working. I don't know. Um, but he, like, you could tell he was just like very like visibly upset at himself for not being able to get them to fall. I'm trying to pull it up now here when the last time he made a three was because it's been a while. Um, but yeah, he looked. Uh, you know, November twenty fifth. That is, in Atlanta. That is bonkers. And he's not, it's not like he's like not shooting them either. He's just, uh, yeah. he's jacking them up. Uh, yeah, he's attempted a three in every single game since that took place. And, yeah, he's uh, old for his last 17. Yeah, poor guy. Um, but no, I think the, the you, you kind of hit on it there with Norm kind of finding his groove in the fourth quarter against the Nets. And I think it kind of translated just to the entire bench. And it's hard to really gauge because it's crunch time, sorry, garbage time against the Nets. But. Uh, I thought they kind of got back to what they're good at. You know, they're, they've kind of had this thing. The start of the second quarter in that game, you know, in the time where Stauskas was going off, their offense was just like, it reminded me of like a water polo team where they were just like tossing it around the perimeter, <laughs> kind of like waiting to like find an opening that was just never going to come. And it was just like, all right, toss it back around the perimeter again. Oh, wait, oh, back to top, back around. And it was just like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, where's the creativity here? But I just think it's, you know, they're kind of stuck because... There isn't that much creativity in that unit. And even Norm, like, Norm is best when he's got a sort of rotating defender coming at him as opposed to driving straight up on a guy who's in position. Um, so that's kind of been hurting them. And I think the fact that Nick Stauskas was putting buckets on them, uh, Norm Powell references actually. Here's the quote from Norm after the game. Uh, we weren't communicating in the second unit's first stint in the first half, and we really tightened up and focused on those things and were able to get stops. That's about the fourth quarter. When you're taking the ball out of the basket, it's hard to get your offense going, but we were able to get stops and get in transition and get easy buckets. That's kind of the entire thing with the second unit is that, like, when they're going up against, like, a structured and set defense, there's just nothing there because there's not a whole lot of creativity, particularly when DeLon Wright has been out and he's back now and he looks pretty good. Um, and maybe so he'll, he can kind of help things out with the second unit a little bit, but um, there's just not a whole lot of, you know, initiation in that, in that second unit. And I think the, the way to sort of solve that is to just run all over teams. And they've done that a lot 
You know, they poked a bunch of steals out against both the Nets in the fourth quarter and the Kings on Sunday. That entire second half, this, I mean, the, the start of the fourth quarter, I think they held them to like four points in the first six minutes in, in of the all five-man bench unit in the fourth quarter against the Kings. Like, And that's kind of what they had to do. They had to run it. They had to get rebounds and just run it. And like a lot of those guys can just like grab it and go. I mean, like Norm can do that. Delon can do that. CJ can do it. And even Pascal, he might be the most exciting guy who does it. Um, and when they are going against the backpelling defense, their eyes kind of light up. But when it's a set defense, they just don't have much in the way of creation. Um, and that's something that, like, you know, eventually, you know, the teams will start to figure that out. And I think the Raptors will eventually figure themselves out and have Kyle sort of, or, or DeMar play with that second unit when things really matter. So I don't think it's ultimately going to be the thing that, like, brings them down or anything. But for the time being, like, the way for them to stop their struggles, I think, is to probably just kind of amp it up on the defensive end. Yeah, no, I agree with everything that you hit on there. Another thing that factors into what you talked about with the lack of creative creativity, the lack of ball movement, is uh, the lack of spacing because CJ Miles wasn't there. Yeah, and so I think that made it a bit tougher on them, especially considering you know going into that game, Powell didn't have the confidence that he usually does, and so um, I think there are some offensive issues. But the good thing is this team, this bench unit, is so good defensively that. Even if they're not necessarily scoring, they can sort of just hang in there and hold fort till one of the starters can come come back, and then they can get the rhythm again. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think with Miles back now, they can hopefully get back into a rhythm. Uh, I think this is where Casey's got to figure out, you know, what lineups he goes to um, between Van Vliet and Delon, because um, I think Norm and CJ both have to play, yeah. and. Yeah, I, th- I think the good thing about Delon is because he's so good at you know getting getting into in a guy's grills and get, getting steals and getting up and down the floor, uh, that usually translates well to Siakam. And if he can get you know some, some transition buckets going early, then I think that could maybe build up some confidence to wear out and starts hitting some jumpers. Um, so I think there's a key there. Um, I would like to see how that unit of say. Delon, uh, CJ, Norm, Siakam, and Fertile goes. Uh, I think uh, as good as Van Vliet has been, I think that is a better five than uh, putting Van Vliet and Delon in there at the two guard positions. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I was just interested to see Delon get more playing time now. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Yeah, DeLon's really good. Um, and that second unit, there are very few things with the Raptors that are more fun than when the second unit is kind of just running all over a team because they uh, they get up and down, man. Um, 
another guy that's really fun on the team is OG Ananobi, who I feel like for a couple weeks there was just kind of going through it offensively a little bit, like not really partaking all that much in the offense. You'd see the box scores and every starter would be like double digits somewhere, and he'd be at like three points. He'd hit his customary first quarter three and then kind of disappear for a bit. Um, but he had a big weekend, and especially against the Kings on Sunday. And I, like... I don't know. Coming into the year, I expected him maybe to like push like 32% from three. He's now at 34 of 79 in the year, 43%. At what point do you take his three-point percentage as gospel as like what he's going to be? Because I'm still not there. I'm fully expecting there to be a, like maybe even like a Siakam-like run where he just misses for a couple weeks. But I don't know. With every shot, like his three-point stroke looks so weird. And he like lands from his shot like a gymnast that's like dismounting from a balance beam. Like, his arms are, like, <laughs> flailing around and stuff. Um, but, it, like, it doesn't seem to matter. It just goes in. And, like, I'm getting more and more confident with it as time goes on here. I'm not ready to say, like, he's, like, a 40% three-point shooter just yet. But, like, at what point do we just, like, stop expecting the regression? <laughs> First of all, you are on fire with the analogies. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just uh, big on, you know, summer Olympic sports and how they relate to the NBA, I suppose. Yeah, the yeah. gymnasts and the water polo. <laughs> excited for what's next. Uh, but yeah, 79 attempts, that's obviously too small of a sample size. Yeah. Um, we've seen Norm get hot over a period as well. Uh, there have been multiple you know, uh, analytics uh, that have suggested that you've got to have 750 attempts to yeah. gauge. Um, so I don't know if you necessarily need that many. Um, but if that's the gauge, then he's a long way off of that. So I think we've got to at least give it a full season because mm-hmm. um, hey we, we, we've seen uh, Patrick Patterson blow hot and cold for four years as well so <laughs> uh, so you never know um, this could be a hot stretch you hope it's not um, and I think more than anything over the course of the season that we've seen so far in the 28 games that he's played uh, it's been really impressive to see his game off the bounce and yeah. his creativity passing his ability to recognize um, just the right moment to drop drop off the ball to big men inside or even kick out for shooters um, and even take it and finish it by himself at times. So I think that's a real positive. Um, with the 34 for 79, you, you look at the free throws, uh, he's not as consistent there. So you think there's still a regression coming. Um, but yeah, for now, just write it. Ride the hot hand, enjoy it while it's there. Not Kyle Lowry's going to keep bombing away anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, OG, he's uh, I, even yeah, like even if he doesn't figure out the shot, if even if it does kind of come back to earth, there are enough intangible things that he does really well that I think can leave people kind of confident that he'll be just fine. Um, there was the one play against the Kings on Sunday where. He drove past Vince Carter for a layup, and like it was pretty damn poetic. I don't know in Vince's potentially last <laughs> game with the Raptors, OG going by him. Uh, I guess we can talk about Vince. Uh, what was the quote after the game? Something like a return will happen eventually. Um, it's going to happen. I feel like it's meant to, or something like that. I'm paraphrasing it at this point, but uh, yep. I don't know. The the Vince thing is like kind of a tired story whenever he comes back because everyone asks him the, the same questions, and like there's a million media there to get the same answers out of him that he's given for the last ten years. But um, I don't know. Like, how did you sort of? observe the 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 stuff with with vince yesterday is it something that like you indulge and like kind of get happy when you look at and kind of just get excited to watch vince play in toronto again or is just like kind of tired at this point um i think 
I probably care more now than I did maybe last season or the season before, just because uh, you wonder whether this was his last game at the ACC. Well, I mean, technically, this was his last game at the ACC because it'll be the Scotiabank Arena starting next year. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh boy, um, yeah. So if if it was, I I still don't think it will be his last game. I think. He's made it clear several times that he want, wants to play 20 seasons, so I'd be surprised if he didn't come back next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, if, the, if this was his last moment, it was really cool of Dave Yeager to let him have his moment with 11 seconds left, yeah. as much as the referees tried to screw that up. Yeah, what um, was that? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> like, what, like, Clear Path revealed a 13-point thir- like game with 10 seconds left? Like, come on. Uh, yeah, that, that's where, I mean, referees just have to recognize what's going on. Just understand the big picture. You know what I mean? Like, just believe, let him have his moment. Yeah, I believe it's the same ref that ejected Lowry against the Wizards earlier this season. Uh, of course, I'm mistaken. Is. Yeah. Um, so, I think his name's JB DeRosa. Uh, I believe the, the the broadcast was name dropping him throughout the night because uh, I think there's a vendetta there from that game against the Wizards. But sorry, carry on. Uh, they, they had a vendetta going all weekend. I mean, it started with Carol. <laughs> I missed the Carol <laughs> stuff on Friday. So what what was this Jack Armstrong, Damari Carroll uh, thing? I, I kind of missed as I was at the game, obviously, so I didn't see the broadcast. Yeah, so they sort of cut away to Damari Carroll on the bench, and Jack Armstrong sort of went off criticizing him and saying, oh, surprise, surprise, he's on the bench uh, <laughs> playing his former team. He doesn't want to, you know, suit up and stuff like that, and, you know, Maybe there's a reason he's averaging 13 and 7 this season. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, it was it was a little, you know, less on the classy side. Right. Uh, I, I didn't see why they needed to delve on, delve on that as much as they did. Um, I think the Raptors are way better than that, you know. Maybe mm-hmm. if you're a 20-win team and you're just petty and have nothing better to talk about, uh, sure, go into it, but... Yeah, it just seemed extremely unnecessary. Especially, I mean, the guy uh, did so much for the community. He literally brought 30 youths to the game from Toronto on Friday. Yeah, yeah. and was he wrong to sort of uh, diss the team after leaving? Um, Sure. Is that something that he could have just stated privately and let it be within the organization? I think so. Uh, But I think the easiest way is to just move on, and you know, I, I don't think he was a big enough player to have people just sort of in this whole hoo-ha-ha over Amari Carroll. Yeah, there was this whole like, is he going to get booed thing coming into the game, and like, I am fully against the idea of booing him because again, he wasn't important enough or like damaging enough to the franchise where I think it warranted that. And also, just like he was a good dude, and like, it's not like he went out of his way to like not play hard he was hurt and like that's just like, it was unfortunate but he had knee stuff he had the foot stuff like that was just it takes time to recover from that that stuff and he's talked about feeling healthier this season and I'm glad he's looking he's looking all right with Brooklyn um and yeah I, I just don't really see the, the need to sort of go off on him there's another point I wanted to make too but I, I totally forget it now um it's gonna come to me I swear to god it's gonna come to me uh, I, I, I hope we haven't missed out on, uh, on another Olympics analogy. No, it's not an Olympics analogy, that's for sure. Uh, oh, this is bothering me now. <laughs> Might have to edit this after I remember. Talk for a second about Damari Carroll so I can think of what, I, what the hell I was going to say. It's probably not even going to be that salient a point, but 
Um, yeah, I just I, I didn't really see the the point. Oh, the whole thing with him and uh, here's uh, I found it. I got back on track. Um, the whole thing with <laughs> yeah, him and work, right. people being upset that he's talked after he left. Okay, I, I get people are very like hoity-toity and defensive about stuff and like don't want to hear anyone slander the Raptors or whatever. But like literally everything he said was like the exact problem with the team. And he was, like, 100%, 100% spot on. Uh, and the fact that, like, the whole, like, oh, they don't, we don't trust our, our – our, our, there's no trust within the team. That was, like, a very obvious and very clear issue with the team last season. So I don't really understand the whole right. need to, like, criticize him for saying that. Something that, is, that was exactly right and that the Raptors have actively sought to fix this season. Like, the entire ethos of this season has been to get more people involved and to have people ready come playoff time that so that DeMar and Kyle are okay to trust them and then so the guys are okay to make plays and ready to make plays come the playoffs. Like, the entire thing is, like, this whole season is a response to everything DeMar and Carroll said was wrong with the team. So maybe he could have said it differently. Maybe he could, shouldn't have said it at all. But also he was asked a question by Ryan Wolstat and he answered it. And, like, give me honesty from athletes over bullshit. Like, I'd rather hear him say exactly what's on his mind and exactly what went wrong. And what right. he said diagnosed, I think, perfectly what happened with the Raptors in the playoffs, especially against the Cavs. Right. And I definitely see where you're coming from. Yeah. The, the only sort of question I'd have, if I could speak to him, was did you ever air these grievances while you were with the team? Right. To sort of help better the team. Fair enough. And I don't know if we ever you know, really got I confirmation mean, that something. that happened or didn't happen. Exactly. So yeah. I'm not going to judge that aspect of it. But if it is something that he never cared to talk about while he was with the team, and it was something that could help the team get better, and then he says it after the fact, then I'm not really cool. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. File with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Fair enough. I can't imagine he went two years just like being okay, not... Be playing the style of offense he was expecting to play. Like, I feel like, and again, this is totally conjecture, but, like, I feel like, like he wouldn't have gone silent for that long. Would he? Like, I don't know. He came from a system from which he got a lot of success out of, and he, he thrived within the Hawk system. Like, I, I feel like it would have been in his interest to say, hey, why don't we try this stuff? But maybe he didn't feel, maybe Kyle and DeMar didn't let, them, let him feel that comfortable. I don't know. Uh, it's hard to say. Right. And maybe you're right. Maybe he, he didn't, or I'm not saying you saying that, but, like, maybe he didn't say anything. Um, during his time with the team. But even then, like, I still don't really begrudge him for saying it on his way out uh, when he was asked the question about it. Like, I'd rather my athletes be honest as opposed to just dancing around it. So, um, yeah, big weekend of returns, I suppose, for uh, formerly for players who have jilted Raptors fans. Um, <laughs> uh, anything else from this weekend? Uh, any other observations about what happened? My observation is that I want the Raptors to play a good team because, good lord, the 
The, the Kings and Nets are bad. The Kings started Costa Kufus and Willie Cauley Stein together in 2017. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> hey, Bogdanovich was pretty good. He's awesome. He's got a, oh, he's, he's got a really good stroke, man. Yeah, he's 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 a good defender too. Yeah, yeah, he's and fun. Something you know, George Hill actually showed up for once. <laughs> well, he's playing Kyle Lowry, so of course he did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, it'll be nice to see some good competition. You got Philly coming up, which is nice. Um, that's going to be a fun back-to-back this week. It's not a back-to-back. It's a home-and-home home on Thursday and yeah. Saturday. But that'll be a good time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, definitely looking forward to that set. And, you know, like you said, because it's not a back-to-back, hopefully Embiid plays in both of them. Yeah. And, uh, I don't think he's played in Toronto yet. Or he hasn't... Uh, no, he definitely yeah. hasn't. Yeah, it's a... Uh, it's a bummer because he's really fun and like I've gone to three of the games or whatever since he came back into the league with Philly in town and he hasn't been at any of them. I'm not going to be at the one this Thursday, um, but or at, uh, this Saturday I guess. But yeah, it's uh, right. I, I'm excited to see it. It'll be a fun test. It'll be the first like real test of competition. Yeah, they lost to the Clippers, but it'll be the first like real team they've played in a while. And even the Sixers, shocker, the Sixers, a team full of young players, are having trouble figuring things out and being good in late in games and stuff like that. Uh, never would have foreseen that coming. <laughs> Actually, I think I did the exact same thing. I said that exact thing earlier on the on the podcast this season. So, um, but it'll be fun. It'll be the best team they played in a long time. And then they go back to playing like Dallas and Atlanta and terrible OKC, who who is trash, um, in the in the following weeks. So, uh, yeah, yeah. The, I would, like the nice little fluffy thing here to boost the the wins totals, but nice, but. It's hard to really gauge anything. Uh, like, Jonas Valanciunas, I guess he's kind of the other story from the weekend. Like, he played really well in both games, um, and he's looked pretty good for the last week or so, and he's had some nice performances. But, like, I don't know how what it means. I don't know how real it is because the teams he's been playing against are, you know, teams that have Tyler Zeller starting at center or Willie Cauley-Stein with Costa Kufis. Uh, so it's hard to really gauge exactly what all of it means. It's been nice, though. Yesterday he was really good, 13-16 and 16 with three blocks. Uh, but again, two of those blocks come against Costa Kufas, who might be the only guy in the league who can jump less high than Jonas Valanciunas. So, I don't know. What do you, what do you make of Jonas's recent play? Honestly, let's show Jonas some love. Because okay. I, think, I think we shit on him enough um, <laughs> in general. So, let him have at least this week. He, he passed, uh, is it Antonio Davis or... Uh, yeah, Antonio second, Davis for double-doubles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's just behind Chris Bosh now. I mean, he's, he's the same age as the long, right? When mm-hmm. you look at it that way, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, while he's, as long as he's with the team, might as well root for him to succeed. And he, he definitely showed some good things. You look at the Clippers game on Monday, um, it's a bit puzzling that he didn't get to close that game out. Mm. Um, you know, watching that game, when when the fourth quarter was down to sort of the seven minute mark, six minute mark, you're wondering, you know, when is he going to come out because he's playing so well? You probably want him for the last two or three minutes, and then yeah, I guess Casey just decided to write it until he had nothing left, and then uh, went with the Baca uh, to close. And it, it was disappointing in the sense that if you're not going to close with JV in that scenario against DeAndre Jordan, and considering Pirtle had a poor game and uh, Lucas Noguera still isn't back then, you know, um, it's tough to see when he'd really close in a tight game, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that was, I, I talked about that game on Tuesday's podcast, and I wasn't 
all that offended by it because I don't think the ways the Raptors lost that game really tied to who was playing center or who wasn't. I think a lot of it was just like Kyle Lowry not giving a shit on defense and uh, Austin Rivers <laughs> getting blow-by after blow-by and Lowry losing to the Tate dosage for that three that was the dagger. There was the offensive board by Jordan late, but like I don't really think anyone was in position to get it, and I'm not sure having Jonas out there would have saved them from losing that game regardless. So, um, right. But yeah, I, I agree. I think Jonas, you know, I'm glad he got to finish the game against Phoenix on Wednesday. Um, haven't really had to see him close games over the last couple games because they've been blowouts, but um, it's, uh, I think the last week or so has kind of, you know, there was a phase there where everyone was like, man, Jonas should be out of the rotation. He should be like the, the, the fifth big or whatever. That's probably a little extreme because he is talented and he can offer something um, more than just something. Like he's a lot of things that he can offer. It's just in certain contexts, it doesn't work. Um, but like, I do think the last week or so was kind of proof that having Jonas on the team is a good thing. And even if it's just 30 games a season where he's absolutely counted upon, that's like 30 games of a 82 game season. Like that's a pretty big chunk and he can be useful and help you get through a regular season. And you know, whether or not he plays a lot in the playoffs will depend on the matchup and that's fine. And we're getting back into the thing where we're just, we're talking about Jonas Valanciunas, who's been the same player for four years as if he's not the same player as he's always been, which he kind of is. But I, I, I do think it's probably... Uh, uh, smart to sort of you know point out when he has a good week and sort of highlight the good things that he does well because there aren't, there aren't any Raptors who can grab 16 boards in a game and uh, have eight offensive boards in a game and you know have a, a huge impact while going three of ten um, because he does those other things really well and sets screens and things like that. So um, and hit above the break threes. My God, the threes are amazing. It's so fun. <laughs> it's like, it's so stupid and like so telegraphed every time he takes one, but it's so damn fun. Uh, one of the many fun yeah. things about this Raptors team, they're just a, they're just a hoot right now. So, um, and Jonas is a part of that. He's had a nice week, and I'm glad because a couple weeks ago, like that game against Atlanta, uh, or sorry, against Indiana, where he got benched for the second half, he was like visibly upset with just how he was playing and kind of his role I think and the fact that it seems like there's been a concerted effort to get him more involved from Kyle and Damar uh, which speaks to the whole trust thing we've been talking about uh, with Damari Carroll and just like the, it just seems like he's kind of getting back into his groove a little bit and kind of knows exactly what he's supposed to be and if, if it doesn't translate to playing against the Cavs in the playoffs that's fine he's just not cut out for that matchup but I do think there will be times where you're really going to be happy that they didn't just offload him for you know with a draft pick in the summer just to get the cap, the cap relief because he does have Definitely a purpose for this team, and definitely, I think, a role to play going forward. So, uh, shouts to Jonas. He had a good week. Um, any other parting shots from the what, last week or so, or should we wrap this thing up? Uh, no, not really. I mean, uh, like you said, there's not too much you can take away over this stretch against some pretty poor teams. So, um, yeah, just continue uh, to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat, and then we can see where the Raptors are at against some real teams. <laughs> The nice thing uh, about the Raptors is that they still have the best net rating in the Eastern Conference. I believe they're about two and a half or three points ahead of Boston. Um, and their defense is climbing. And again, tough opponent, like easy opponents, but they also started the season with tough opponents. And they still have an easier strength of schedule than either the Celtics or Cavaliers. Um, I think the Raptors right now are at fifth in terms of strength of schedule, in terms of easiest. But uh, the Celtics were number one and the Cavs are number three in terms of easiest schedules face. So the fact that the Raptors are still pretty clearly the best statistical profile team in the Eastern Conference, uh, it's 
got to be heartening considering it's not like the the Cavs have been playing some cream puffs or some really difficult schedule where the Celtics have been. Um, and the Raptors currently are just one and a half points per 100 possessions worse on defense than the Celtics are. So the Celtics are coming back to earth a little bit. The Raptors are, like their offense is clicking. Everything's good right now with the Raptors. So, so. While, while we're on the subject of yeah. those stats and analytics, yeah. um, are you are you buying the improvement of uh, the starting unit? Or do you think the success of the Ibaka Valanciunas front court has more to do with the fact that these teams that they've faced don't really have a way to expose them? I think it's kind of both. Um, I just think, you know, time has always been kind of a thing that's been lacking for this front court. Sorry, for this starting unit because of, you know, Kyle's injury at the end of last year. And yep. the playoffs aren't really a very good environment environment for fostering chemistry. Um, and then you finally get, you know, 30-something games where you can play together. And I think you're just going to get more comfortable. And I think the offensive stuff is real with them. Like, at 110 point, or what's their offensive rating right now? It's something insane. Yeah, it- the, yeah. the offense has been there all season. Like yeah. even when they were having issues at the start, like yeah. the offense has been great. It's more the defense. Yeah, I'm gonna pull it up here. We'll see what their actual numbers are. Cause uh, I, I, will they be like a? I think over the last like seven or eight games, they've been like a 95 defensive rating. Like I don't think that's gonna hold up, but I do think their offense can be pretty potent. And I'm just gonna the stupid. So many pages you gotta click on with NBA.com. <laughs> blah blah blah. Well, hey, having having a. Uh, Serge Ibaka that's going full out makes big difference. Yeah, Serge is awesome when he's actually trying, turns out. Uh, and I like the the, the the starting five that they used yesterday, even though I don't think it really blew away the, the Kings, but with uh, Ibaka sitting with the knee thing, um, I like the Miles and Anobi look. That was kind of fun. But yeah, yeah, so the starting five for the Raptors now, 232 minutes, which is not an insignificant number of minutes, um, especially at this point in the season. Uh, they've got 120.4 offensive rating, 99.5 defensive rating, plus 20.9 overall. And do I think they are this good? Probably not quite. I think the offense will probably slip a lot less than the defense will probably slip. But um, I still think this can be like a top... 11 like a plus like 11 or 12 net rating starting unit in, in a perfect world um and like they it's not like they, it's not they haven't played against good teams like this this was the unit they used against the rockets for example and they look pretty good and uh and the pelicans and stuff like that so like they haven't played just complete dog crap teams with this lineup um obviously there needs to be a bigger sample because a lot of those that that early road trip was with uh norm powell starting instead of og so who knows how that plays out but i think it works really well right now and obviously if og shooting regresses as we talked about at the top of the show that could change things a little bit because everything gets a little bit more cramped but even then i think eric kareen tweeted out today that og hasn't shot a three with someone within four feet of him all season long um, so it's not like defenses are really sort of bit like changing their shape just to guard OG and Anobi, um, and they're still a really good offensive unit. So I think the offense is probably going to stay close to where it is. The defense might get worse against tougher teams, but I still think it's going to be pretty good, good enough to the point that the bench doesn't have to be the best bench in the league. Um, and if it gets back to that point, then the Raptors are sitting pretty. Yep. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll wrap it up there then. Uh, Vivek, thanks for coming on, man. Do you have anything you want to plug this week? I uh, just doing some stuff for Raptors Republic this week. Uh, I'll be doing a game preview on the 21st. Um, besides that, just chipping in at Sportsnet, uh, North Pole Hoops, and you all break down when I can. So catch me on there and follow me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob. Awesome. Uh, you can check out the Locked On Raptors Advent Calendar. Uh, I didn't do any over the weekend because I was busy and or lazy. So 
Uh, I got to do three posts today, which is ambitious, but I'm going to try to get three done uh, to get caught up on the advent calendar. Thanks to anyone who's read it and given me some response. It's been a lot of fun to do over the course of the month. Um, and I'm going to continue that, of course, this week in the lead up to Christmas Day. Um, you can also just stay tuned. I'm not going to say what it is just, just yet, but I have a fun sort of air quote, dick finger air quotes, journalism project I'm working on. Um, that will be coming out later in the week, Thursday or Friday. Uh, talk to a few people for it, and it's going to be very silly but very fun. So, looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, so we got a good, good bunch of stuff going on this week. So, uh, thanks so much for tuning in, Vivek. Thanks for coming on, man. We'll talk to you again next week. And uh, everybody, we'll be back again with another episode of Lockdown Raptors on Tuesday at some point. We'll talk about something. Who knows? Uh, it's a mystery. That's a tease, everybody. Really good tease at that. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow on Lockdown Raptors. Cheers. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.